Roll up, roll up, everyone's over there. Why don't you try your luck? You being such an Anglophile, Sebastian Vettel, uh, I thought you'd uh, like a visit to a proper British fairground before the next race. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know me old China. This is most true. This is wonderful. What is this stall here? Uh, well, th- th- this is a, it's a game of skill and chance where you have to throw a ping pong ball, and if you manage to get into one of those goldfish bowls there, you win a prize. Uh, we call it hoopla. Hoopla? Call blimey, Ecky Thumb. Oh, What's this over here? Ah, uh, in this one, you have to throw a wooden ball and knock those coconuts off those posts there. Oh, I see, yeah. Proper old British game, this. Uh, we call it a coconut shy, because shy is the old English word for to throw. Oh, you learn yeah. something new every day. Oh, Adrian, look! They've got a driving game over here! Oh, yes, yeah, Sebastian, uh, that's the dodgems. Probably better if you stay off that one. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm the Gareth, he's the Zog. Hello. And no Richard, because he's off doing something slightly more important, but more on that later. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, The less important thing that we have to discuss, although, quite frankly, Formula One is important to me. Very important to me. Brings me my right thinking individual. Quite right, too, yeah. It retains that stability in my life that I've been searching for since I was a child. There will always be a Formula One race between March and October, apart from those three weeks in August where we all go off on holiday and pretend we're not thinking about Formula One for three weeks. There you go. (laughs) But anyway, it came back and it comes back at Spa, which is brilliant. That's a great thing that when F1 does come back, you know, it doesn't come back to, you know, Bahrain or, you know, some bland track. It comes back to a spa, which is one of the most visceral of races. And it Coming back with a classic. You know, yeah, a yeah. Big event, what a track. It's a track the drivers love, and I think, you know, all the fans love it. And it produced the kind of race you want to see, you know. It's a bit of excitement. As it was at spa, it rained, and that made it more exciting, forcing everyone to make the right decisions about tyres and the change of conditions. It produced just one of those wonderful races, highlight of the year. Here's a thought. If spa wasn't actually on the edge of the... Is it the Den forest there? I think it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Where it's so permanently wet. If it was, say, in Dubai, for instance, where it never rained, would Spa be half as interesting a circuit? The fact that you can almost guarantee raining Spa adds spice to the event, doesn't it? It does, but you say, would it be half as interesting? I, I reckon it would be about half as interesting because you've got you know because <laughs> you've got you know you've got in all seriousness you've got a great circuit lay you've got some really interesting corners you know you've got real changes in elevation you know actually some really quite steep uphill sections and you've got sections of track that are really sort of following the contours of the land and in a way that doesn't happen when you've got a can I just uh, say sweeping curves you can say sweeping curves thank you yeah. you know it, yeah it, it just gives you a circuit with a kind of character that you don't get from a lot of the other modern circuits and we love it Proper racing. I've never actually been to Spa, though. I must uh, I must go. Shame on me. Actually, but, but between you and me, I, I was talking with Stevie yeah. the other day about yeah. whether we might get some kind of Spa trip together next yeah. year. So keep an ahead. Maybe, maybe Spa next year. Uh, eldest son. 
has been pressuring dad of all the races it's spa is the one i want to go to what not monaco no dad it'd be too expensive spa we can go on the train from london in two hours he says and, and i think a, he's right and it's quite a good one to camp out here so mm. um oh well I'll, I'll wear pink then there you go yes. <laughs> i thought i was alan carr then for a moment chatting about hey my alan carr i've been watching that formula one oh it's terrible come on that's 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 no that's not alan carr no alan carr i'm I can't do the goofy teeth at the same time. Sorry, we should be talking about motor racing, shouldn't we? Um, all right, all right. Lewis won. Hooray! Hooray! And what else happened? Oh, I forget now. There was an incident with some German lad in a car, wasn't there? Are we talking about Vettel here? We're not, we're not talking about the other the other fellow. Who, well, actually, no, we'll come on to the other yeah, fellow. Yeah, plenty of yeah. Germans, yeah. Vettel, yeah, I mean, I, yeah it, 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 it's a real shame to see Vettel doing some of the things he was doing over the weekend. In the, it, he's, just, he's just sloppy, and it's a real shame. He's got such talent. He's so quick. He comes across as such a likeable guy. I mean, yeah. you know, I have to admit, you know, one of the reasons why I'm, you know, as fond of Vettel as I am, is that he likes Monty Python. He yep. likes, you know, a lot of that British humour that I like. And, yeah. and that just sort of somehow makes you warm to him a bit more. And I think he's a decent guy. And, you know, but, you know, all that aside, he's sloppy and he's just way too optimistic in a lot of the moves he's making. And whilst you sort of know on one level that he has the skill to pull all this off, he's not showing that skill when he's actually making a lot of those moves. Quite apart from the fact that he took Button out of the race in a pretty shoddy careless bit of driving his move on the Utsi was just, you know again he just he, he just wasn't leaving enough room he was just too ambitious in trying to do what he was doing and cost both of them as a result he gave himself puncture it's not just about disadvantaging other people it's about being stupid you know and he was just mm. he was just being dumb on Sunday and it's a real shame because we know he's better than that and yeah. he needs to pull his socks up well th- th- this is why I like Vettel I think we're both fans of him I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I won't criticise him because I think he's like you said genuine talent capable of extraordinary things I mean to win a race in a Toro Rosso Shows that you are capable of extraordinary things. You know, no one had managed that before. But as I was explaining to someone the other day, that Formula One isn't just about your heroes. Like any pantomime, like any opportunity Knox cast, you know, you need the bad guys as well as the good guys. Sorry, I should say X-Factor cast, shouldn't I? You know, the bad performance. You watch for the bad auditions as much as the great performances. And what I like about Vettel is that he is unpredictable. Because when Formula One is predictable, in the days when Schumacher would go out and put it on pole, win the race, Ferrari would be one and two, blah, 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 that sort of thing, that takes away the appeal of Formula One to me. It shouldn't be predictable. And the fact that you've got someone like Vettel, who's clearly on the edge, he's a great talent, but makes mistakes... You have your heart in your mouth for that. And whilst I feel genuine sympathy to poor old Jensen stuffed in the side by that Red Bull, in a way, when it happened, I both went, oh, that's terrible, and oh, the pain! It's like opera. You like the drama. Mm. You you don't want a completely uneventful race. Mm. You you want some events, and maybe some of those events involve people being unfortunately knocked out of it. Yeah, exactly. Imagine the situation whereby, and here comes Vettel, he's all over button, oh, and he's overtaken. Taking him without any real difficulty whatsoever and gone on to score two points more. You know, that's pointless. The, the fact that he hits him, great entertainment. But if he makes a sneaky, smart little you know, nip up the inside and steals that corner and gets through, you know, no contact, just a neat little... Fantastic. That's exciting. It's thrilling. And you love to see the display of that kind of skill. What you don't want to see is somebody, you know, slightly ham-fistedly 
putting themselves in more or less the right place to get past somebody, but actually making sure that the two cars come together and possibly two races over. I'm just glad he's there. I think it's well, I'm glad they're spice. racing. You know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, True, so, good so, point. But I would make this point that when we're sort of going into this year, I was thinking that, you know, the Red Bull drivers, I like them both. I'm not really too bothered about who does better out of these two. There's no question that at this point of the year, Weber is the guy who deserves to be ahead in the championship standings. He's driving better. Yeah, he's driving better. He's showing better temperament and Weber can from time to time be a bit hot-headed himself mm-hmm. but he's really I think he's done a magnificent job this year of you know reining himself in a bit maybe just making those slightly better calls and he deserves to be right there as does Lewis at the top of the table there and right now there's no question that the two drivers that deserve to be there are leading the championships who would you put your money on at this point then? Lewis, undoubtedly, without a hesitation. I do rate Weber. I think he's in a fabulous car. I think he's a smart, sensible old driver who's capable of top speed when necessary. But at the back of my mind, I've still got the young charger, that is Lewis, who, when he appeared in Formula One, was glorious, practically from his very first race. Yes, was yes, glorious was. in his very first yes, race. And the boy who won GP2 in his first season. And the boy who won Formula F3 Euro Series at his first attempt. And all the other lesser formulae, or the one of the lesser formulae, if I remember, and karting that he did, it was easy for him. He is a prodigious talent. And I'm not sure that Weber stacks up against Lewis in that way. As much as I love him and as much as I realise that Weber has the better car and this could be his last chance to win a world championship if Red Bull have the advantage this season. I think it's going to be Lewis's, but you know what? I've been wrong in the past. (laughs) I I agree absolutely that the talent Lewis has, it is on a slightly different level to the talent that Weber has. Fantastic, though he is. But, as you say, Weber is in the better car. Newey and his team have done a remarkable job this year they're they're clearly doing a bunch of clever things all at the same time it's all working together Uh, yeah he's just worked that new magic and i I think that might just be enough to take Weber to the championship this year but just to get back on one thing you're talking about how much of a talent you know lewis was when he came onto the scene and how he was at the start one thing that struck about spa was in his escape from the gravel trap when he'd gone off towards the end. It was starting to get wet. He was yeah. on his dry tyres again. He hadn't come in for the intermediates yet. Yeah. And he was uh, kind of struggling round to do his in-lap for intermediates as the rain was was increasing. And he just kept it uh, out of the tyre wall. Yeah. It just struck me that, you know, a year or two ago, he wouldn't have made it. He'd have been a little bit too desperate. Can you and hear? He maturity. Hang on, hang on, uh, hang on. Hold that thought. Can you hear that Zog is actually... Rubbing his hands together whilst describing how close Lewis came to that wall because it was like that, wasn't it? But yeah, the tire did just kiss yeah. the wall. It just just touched. You were talking so about his like, maturity. Yeah, he knew just how much to kind of sort of let the car roll through the gravel, and he was careful. You know, he wasn't giving it any throttle. He wasn't getting buried in there. He, it was almost Schumacherian, wasn't it? Because Schumacher would always get away with moments like that, wouldn't yeah, he? He had just the right touch and, and made just the right judgment to get out of there and I thought that was quite telling in terms of his maturing as a driver as much as we love Vettel one thing he could do with is just a a little bit of Lewis's maturing perhaps (laughs) yes (laughs) 
Corp. Blimey, Jensen, lover duck, isn't it? It was very good of you to agree to have dinner with me. Yeah, well, Sebastian, you thought it'd be better if we cleared the air a bit after what happened in Belgium. Yeah, Jensen, sorry about that, my old China. Right, gentlemen, ready to order? Uh, yeah, I've got another triathlon to run next week, so I'll just have some pasta. Very well, Mr Button, and for you, Mr Vettel. I'll have the steak, please. Ribeye? Sirloin? No, I'll have the T-bone. Oh, sorry, Jensen. There it goes at speed! No sniff petrol, though! Odd! We've talked at length about one German who was in the race in Belgium last Sunday. Well, there are three other Germans in Formula One that we could talk about. Let's start with Schumacher, shall we? Probably okay, finish with him then. as well. I'm still struck, actually, by, I mean, apart from whatever happened in the race, I'm still struck by the way he's coming across in on all his interviews. He seems sort of just so remarkably relaxed about how everything's going, which I like to see, actually. Although there is an air of sort of doesn't care about it. I'm getting paid an absolute fortune. My career's been extended. I got a chance to race against Alonso again and Massa. And uh, the car is clearly brilliant, but so what if I can't make it go quickly? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people were sort of saying how, what a good weekend Michael had had this time around, because, you know, he'd uh, made up so many places to finish seventh. Point being that for all that he had managed to make up all that ground and had a good run, apart from being taken outrageously easily by the looks of it on the straight in a similarly Mercedes-powered Force India that aside let's not forget that he was beaten by his teammate again Mm. Rosberg beat him and in this context as well I was describing again to that same person I was explaining to earlier on this spa race or the upcoming spa race as it was at the time was so dramatic because We've waited three weeks for F1 to come back, so you, you, know, you start salivating. Then you realise, ah, oh, Shumi's going to be racing under a cloud, really, because he's got that 10-place grid penalty from forcing Barrichello into the wall. But this is at a circuit where Schumacher made his debut in that Jordan and put it sixth on the grid. Mm-hmm. Now, if there was any evidence needed that... Shumi is a spa specialist, you know, it's there right from the word go. So he is actually in a position to say, right, I would prove myself how I can do this, you know. Um, with that advantage that he has of knowing spa so well, of, of understanding its nuances, he did have a great race. You know, he finished in a, a reasonable position, but exactly as you said, he was still behind Nico Rosberg. That must really gall him. The one guy you want to beat above everybody else is your teammate. Yeah, I'm sure he hates it every time he finishes behind Rosberg. I'm sure Rosberg loves it. On the other hand, it is going both ways. Let's not be too hard on the guy. The testing issue must be really hurting him. You know, the fact that he can't get any testing time, that doesn't help. So if he hangs around and he's there next year, I'm sure he'll be doing better next year relative to how he's been performing this year. But uh, we'll see. Red Bull LG computers advert. Take one. Everyone stand by. And Qmark. Hi. I'm Mark Webber. I use LG computers because they are fast, reliable, and at the leading edge of technology. Just like my Red Bull F1 car. Hi. I'm Sebastian Vettel. I use LG computers because. Oh, sorry. Can we go again, please? Uh, what's the problem, Sebastian? Um, my computer isn't working. Uh, it's the same one.
one that Mark's using. Um, what's happened? It's crashed. Gareth Jones on speed. You have an accident. We'll rub your nose in it. I was driving back from a gym club earlier on tonight. Not something I do, as you can tell. My finely honed physique doesn't need a gym club. Absolutely not, Gareth. But my two sons go to gym, but I'm getting off topic okay. here. As we came around the corner, at the bottom of our road, at the of I saw... What made me want to shout out, Hey lads, look, it's the original Honda CRX, the grandfather of the Honda CRZ. Now, the short version of the Civic that was turned into a coupe from the 1980s. Yes. And then as we got nearer to it, I realised it wasn't the old Honda CRX. It was actually the new one, the CRZ, a hybrid that Honda are making, which I spent a couple of weeks driving and ran you up to the Chish Grand Prix a couple of yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Yeah, we, we mm. did the Grand Prix trip. Yeah. And uh, the one that we had was white and very modern, very pristine. This one at the bottom of our road is black. Looked a bit grubby, and that made it look less modern. It, I, I genuinely thought it was it the old CRZ. One of the things that I thought was most successful about that CRZ was just how elegant it looked. For that shape, that sort of bread vanish, you know, chopped off back, the way the window lines are sort of going at the back. Honda Insight was prototyped for that kind of look in a modern incarnation. Yeah. A horrible looking car, I always thought. The CRZ is a car that manages to do a similar kind of thing. It's, it's the same kind of shape, but it makes it work, and it makes it work beautifully. I thought it was a really, really good looking car, and there were some very interesting things, little subtle things in the way that the panels are working and the lines are working. Uh, I'm surprised that you would see a new one and mistake it for you yeah, know, those for old, old Civics, really, because they're night and day to me. I don't, it's it's um, that's Surprising. Well, it was only a moment. I know how yeah. you can sort of catch it in the corner of your eye, and actually, it's completely different what you thought it was. But it, the fact that it was able to evoke the old CRZ yeah. just out of a glimpse for a moment was quite interesting because you're dead right. It's a very modern car. It's got that little shark's fin radio aerial thing that sits on the top that makes it look quite aggressive. And the people who walked past this house when the car was parked outside this house were, oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Oh, it's. And I think part and it's of very good in the white and that sort of, yeah. uh, sort of slightly pearlescent. Yeah, 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 very. Uh, it, for it. As you'll see, there's a picture of it on the Gareth Jones uh, TV website and indeed embedded in this very podcast. Go and study that car. One of the things I noticed about it, it's very wide. It's very wide. It's as wide as a, a Civic, perhaps even wider because it's a sporting car. Yeah, yeah, and it has this funny thing of being wider at a really odd point. The way that most cars work, you know, you've got a little bit of flaring out of the panels over the wheels, and so they're basically widest over the axis lines, really. Mm. But the way the panels go at the back of the CRZ, it's not at its widest right in the middle of the wheels. It's odd, but it works. Because it's just a short, stumpy car, it's almost as if it has been sliced off, like you're cutting through a petticoat, a flared petticoat. It's very difficult to explain if you haven't seen the car, but it, it does have a bit of a flirtatious... Ooh, can you see my diffuser? Look at the back, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, yeah, I think... Ooh. Okay, okay. Oh, is it showing? Oh, I've got an Alan Carr again! No! <laughs> Sorry. It's more like, what's her name, Barbara Windsor, isn't it? I was gonna, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was trying to put my finger on it, but why I didn't... Oh, I bet you that, were! That's what it was. It's because it's Barbara Windsor, not Alan Carr. It's that's the same thing! If you say so. <laughs> anyway, this, this Honda CRZ, which I quite like, 
drove around for a bit, took it up to Derbyshire a couple of times, we went up to Silverstone in it, and got good fuel economy out of it. Mm. We got, I remember tweeting about it, uh, and if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, the address is Gareth Jones TV. I tweeted about it, that it turned me into a hypermiler, because this car has three modes, economy, normal, and sport. And the dash, did I show you this? The dash no, changes. I remember the dash, yeah, yeah the colour of the dash. It's, it's, it's changes colour yeah. depending on the mode that you're in. You know, yeah. blue, green, red, or black if you're being evil. Which I kind of like. It was good, good entertainment, surprising delight feature. But I was getting 50 miles to the gallon on the motorway at reasonable motorway speeds in eco mode. But here's the thing. I wanted to drive that car in eco mode because of the feedback that you get from the data on the dash and knowing that it's a hybrid and it's recovering its energy every time it slows down and it's storing that energy to allow you to use it when you need it and all that stuff that all the guys who drive Priuses and the Honda Civic Hybrid do. All that with a manual gearbox. This is quite unusual. Mm. It was kind of an interesting combination. I was still driving the car. I'm not just a passenger. But I'm, you know, I'm working hard at being economical. Found it really satisfying. And it reminded me more than anything of driving my old Lancia, of any car I've driven. Because as much as I love that car, it had a flat spot at about 1,600... And, I'm talking about the Lancia now. Hmm. About 1,650 revs. revs yeah. Where, you know, it, it goes pull away and oh, the engine would just die. You'd have to give it a little bit more, otherwise you would lose it. And this Honda had the same. It required, when you were in economy mode, that you drove it a little bit deftly because the engine didn't quite have the grunt that you might expect. Because it's carrying quite a lot of weight. It weighs about 1,200 kilos, which is quite heavy for a little yeah, car like that, it I certainly think. Is. Apart from loving the, the way I look, the, the biggest impression I took away from that CRZ from, from the, the passenger seat was... The way the, you looked or the way the car looked? Uh, the, the way the car looked. <laughs> um, the, it, it was the fact that it, it seemed to be a little bit underpowered to me. It didn't have quite enough go to match everything else that was going on, the road holding and the sporty look. It looks like a nippy little thing and it didn't really feel that way. Mm. But what you're saying about how your behaviour changed because of the feedback you're getting and because you're trying to do these things and you're driving to, to eke out more mileage because of the displays and because of all the little encouragement feedback from the instruments basically there's an interesting thing going on here to do with changing driver behavior and this car did it if you want people to drive more economically it's much more effective to give them a car that's fun to drive economically than it is to keep wagging your finger at them and saying you know Ooh, you should be you should just drive a bit more carefully or you yeah. shouldn't be quite so lead-footed or, you know, yeah yeah make it fun and people will do it it's a bit like the policy that Violet and I have with our kids about we try not to say don't 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 all the time we try and reinforce what they are doing that's right and reward them oh I saw you do that earlier and that was great well done man yeah yeah that's a much better model isn't it and I think you're right mm. it works in cars as well and I, I heard you saying I said, yeah, 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 so that, that not burning down the church you did that was, that was very good that's just, that was just, just right that's the, 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 the not throwing the petrol bomb into the, uh, into the community centre that was, that was, that was just, just the way to do it inner city stuff you yes. know the city kids we live in Hackney for heaven's sake uh, hey, uh, but listen a couple of final thoughts on this CNZ because uh, unusually for Gareth Jones on speed I did something approximating a bit Wait, of research we haven't got, we haven't got some Research? Well, I, I wouldn't go that far. It's the spec sheet for the car. Let me bring the light over because okay. I can't read this. It's so small. OK, I've got in front of me here the technical data for the Honda CRZ. And it's a nice little 1.5-litre four-cylinder engine with an electric motor as well. And let's just have a look at the performance figures now. Where are we? Maximum speed, 124 miles per hour, which is about the same as my Lancia. It really was. 
acceleration 0 to 62 10.1 seconds I think my Lancia was doing it about 12 I think I'd like to check that really? I think so okay. it was pretty yeah, quick much lighter car you see and economy well they're quoting 56 combined 56.5 I would not disagree with that at all I think mm-hmm. it's a very honest spec sheet however oh and it did drive well did I mention the bit when I was in Derbyshire Wiggly roads for a while. We, I'm really saying about this, and yeah, yeah no, it's yeah. Um, yeah, well, actually, no, it's, it's road holding, lovely. It's a you know, stiff enough great to, feel cock to it, up a wheel up as well, which was very satisfying. I mean, it's wide. It was like a little bit naughty, but it, satisfying. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, but here's my final thought on this. Just been looking. The mm-hmm. handling of the car was really very good. Hmm. Wouldn't say it was exemplary, but really very, very, very good. Hmm. But I bet there's a Fiesta which is every bit as good, because there have been some great Fords these days. I just had a look at the Fiesta spec sheet. First of all, let's compare the economy and stuff, right? The worst Fiesta in terms of performance, top speed of 94 miles per hour, combined fuel economy of 51.4 miles per gallon. Ford figures, which are usually quite conservative. Oh, here come the LPG police coming to get us. CO2 emissions, 127 grams per kilometre. Just compare that to the to the Honda. What's the CO2? 117. So it's slightly better than the lowest spec Fiesta. Slightly, right? You can go all the way up with the petrol Fiestas till you get a car that does 120 miles per hour. So almost yeah, comparable to Yeah, so about the, the same CO2. performance. Yeah. Uh, top speed anyway is the 134. Honda grams per kilometre for the top petrol car that's the Duratec TIVCT stage 5 right in terms of diesel cars the worst diesel Fiesta in terms of performance gives you 101 miles per hour 67 miles per gallon combined mm-hmm. and CO2 emissions of 110 mm. well, now actually no, I, I was going to say I was going to just point out something that, something that really on. really annoys me but yeah. maybe I should come back to it because it doesn't stri- no, do it now do okay it now. well here's the thing you're quoting the figure there for CO2 emissions as yeah. well as miles per gallon. Yeah. Will somebody explain to me why... I, mean, I know why they do it, but... Why there isn't a combined figure? No, well, no, you don't need a combined figure because you can get one figure from the other. Right. It's, like, you know, yeah, yeah. it's very simple. Yeah. You, know, you burn the stuff, miles per gallon. That is how many gallons you are burning per mile. When you burn that gallon, you get so much CO2. Therefore, you can work out the CO2 per mile from the MPG figure. You do not need two figures. That's why it annoys me. I absolutely understand that it's considered a good thing to put in a figure that gives you a kind of a direct comparison of carbon emissions so you can get that as a sort of headline figure. But as a science geek, it really annoys me. <laughs> Quite right, too. And it's the sort of thing that annoys me. That one hadn't yet now until he but it pointed will now. it out. Oh, it will now. Okay. Although we should point out that, of course, it is different for petrol and diesel. So in yeah, other words, yeah, yeah. your emissions for a 50-mile-per-gallon petrol car are not the same as for a 50-mile-per-gallon diesel vehicle. OK, continue. Nice. The best-performing diesel Fiesta gives you a top speed of 111 miles per hour, so a little bit slower yep. than... Quite a bit slower than the Honda CRZ. But combined emissions, CO2, of 98, it's quoted here, with 76, or thereabouts, miles to the gallon. Now, I loved the CRZ. I really genuinely loved it. I loved the way it looked on the outside. I loved... 
the way it looked on the inside. I loved that kind of Buck Rogers dash thing that was going on. There was something for Thunderbird retro 1950s about it as well, and yet modern, a bit damn there. Yeah, good design. No, yeah. it was it was it was a, yeah, very well. Yeah, I liked the way it looked inside and out. No it question. was big enough in the back when we folded the back seats down to get the basics of camping in, apart from the tents, which wouldn't fit in. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. did have a Mercedes have support a, vehicle. A 12-person tent or something. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lovely tent. You know, it's... Uh, it won't go in a CRZ. It just won't go in a CRZ, yeah. <laughs> well, my point is, as much as I love that car, for 20... What is it? £4,000? £22,000, that car. I bet an equivalent Fiesta with similar performance in terms of road holding, CO2 emissions and performance would be quite a lot cheaper. Just worth thinking about. You may well be right, but I wonder whether that Fiesta would be... It might be better value. It might not be as satisfying to own in various ways. Pay your money, takes your choice. I bet the bloke who lives at the bottom of this road, who drives a CRZ, who every time he drives into the West End in his cute little sporting car doesn't have to pay the congestion charge, I bet he's glad he's paid his money and made his yeah. choice. I bet he's, you know, he feels nice about it. Yeah. Not smug, but just, oh, no, I've still got a sporting car. I'm quite happy. Yeah. And yeah. he's Roger Moore for some reason. <laughs> there you go. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. We mentioned that Richard wasn't here for some very important reason, and that important reason is that he's getting married this Saturday to his wonderful girlfriend, Jules, which we applaud. It's going to be a happy day. Zog and I will both be at the wedding, as will Violet, and I should be contributing to the wedding with some guitar playing as well. So, sorry Richard can't be here, but he will be back for the next programme pretty soon. We'll be dragging him back off honeymoon. I thought we were actually following him on his honeymoon to record the show. We better sort this detail out. Okay, Richard, put her down, mate, and just pick up this copy of Autocar instead. (laughs) Hey, I'll take... Say goodbye, Zog. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. I'm going to leave you with something I don't think we've ever played on this show before. Some jazz. Nice. I was abroad. And I called into legend. I had an insight. Watched it extend its range. Strange. So strange. See me slide in the space in an odyssey. Sexy, civic, sibilant, and swish-vied and occupied. Some even tried to go CBCC. Yeah, CBCC. Into a stream of consciousness themed by a sand called Soshiro. Oh no, not Ono. Not Yoko Ono. Soshiro. Okay, in the K-Kai Daddy-O. And the beat grows long. Super Cub. Super Dream. Earth Car. Type R. Yeah! Blanco y Negra Integra. From S360 to the S2000. Rice Noodle Alphabetic Spaghetti. CRV. CRX. CRV. HRV. FCX provides no clarity. Slapping them down. Z600. F800. 
Watch me land my balloon on your aero deck, baby. I inspired a pilot prelude to concerto. If I'd have written a poem, it would have been a ballet. So for Rover, best car they never made. Move over, the Innovals got all the parts the Escorts got. Ha! City life, what the heck? Let's all go, VTech. Looks out of sight, riding in my insight. Shuttle is no go for the Ginther Mugen logo. CB series. Pilot cross tour in the future dateline, Ridgeline. Just in time. When I'm fit for jazz, that's that's on the jazz. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, or follow us on Twitter, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!